In Florida, Aggie Review for the week ending August 2nd. Since this is hurricane season, storm tracking can be a very dangerous and expensive science. But there could come a day when relatively inexpensive unmanned vehicles will swarm over, under, and through hurricanes to help predict the strength and path of the storms. Sabrina Hill has the story. Storm tracking can be a very dangerous and expensive science. But there could come a day when relatively inexpensive unmanned vehicles will swarm over, under, and through hurricanes to help predict the strength and path of the storms. The tiny autonomous craft, some fly, others dart under the waves, can spy on hurricanes at close range, while sensors on board collect and send in real time the data scientists need to predict the intensity and trajectory of storms, pressure, temperature, humidity, location, and time. The project being developed at the University of Florida features miniature flying machines, just six inches long and about the weight of an iPod Nano, which can be launched with commands from a laptop hundreds of miles from the eye of a hurricane with mathematical models to predict regions in the atmosphere and ocean that can give the vehicles a free ride toward their destination. Once in the vicinity, they can be powered off to wait for a particular current of wind or water. When they detect the current they need for navigation, they power back on, slip into the current, then power off again to conserve fuel as the current carries them to a target location. The devices are a departure from the current technology, which uses hurricane recognizance aircraft to punch through the storm's eyewall and release sensors that freefall and might or might not collect helpful data. Underwater data is even more difficult to collect today, although just as important considering that the warm, moist air on the ocean's surface provides fuel for hurricanes. In our weekly Getting to Know Your Beef Checkoff, brought to you by Your Beef Checkoff, we hear from Jordan Harrison of Uvalde, Georgia. He is this year's Senior Beef Ambassador in Georgia and wants cattle producers to know their checkoff investment into the Beef Ambassador Program is a great way to reach consumers. Here is Randall Wiseman. In this week's Getting to Know Your Beef Checkoff, brought to you by Your Beef Checkoff, we have Jordan Harrison from Uvalda, Georgia, who is this year's Senior Beef Ambassador in Georgia. He promotes beef to consumers on a regular basis and sees the importance of the checkoff. Cattlemen have learned to be proactive in their efforts. Um, you know, whether it be on the farm or actually when it comes to teaching others, you know, how we need to represent their industry. They have started the Beef Ambassador Program, and um, they're preparing today's youth to go out and represent the beef industry. There are many ways the Beef Checkoff works, but when it comes to his role as a Beef Ambassador, Harrison told me he likes to use his personal experiences when talking with consumers. I like to relate to the consumer and uh, bring it down to a personal level, tell them about my farm and my personal experience with cattle. We've got a lot of people under the stereotypes that there's, you know, just huge commercial operations, and that's really not the case. And thus, Harrison wants cattle producers to know their checkoff investment into the Beef Ambassador Program is a great way to reach consumers. The Beef Ambassador Program has not only taught me a lot, but I'm sure there's a few consumers out there who have learned a lot from me while I've been involved in this program. And talking with consumers about beef is something he enjoys doing. Get to know your beef checkoff at mybeefcheckoff.com, funded by the Beef Checkoff. Staying with Randall, the new chief of USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service is Jason Weller. And as talks continue in Washington, D.C. about a new farm bill, he emphasizes the importance of conservation programs for farmers across the country. Since this past December, Jason Weller has served as acting chief of USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service, but he has just recently been named chief of the agency. And one thing he knows, conservation programs are an important part of the farm bill. Conservation, it's more than just something that's nice to have. It's really becoming 
almost part of the business operating plan for a lot of farmers and ranchers. And the best conservation is actually practices that help producers be economically successful. So for us at NRCS, sustainable agriculture really is about ensuring the wise use of the resources, but then also making sure they're successful business operators and that the best use of the land is actually in agricultural production. And so, yes, conservation can help them better manage the soil resources, better manage their nutrient inputs, be you know, more efficient in the nutrient application, um, be more energy efficient, be more water efficient. So at the end of the day, it's saving wear and tear on the farmer, wear and tear on his or her equipment, saving the money, putting more money in the, their pocket, in many cases helping them be more productive, but also then providing a broader array of benefits for people who live down the stream, in the airshed, in their community. Learn what programs may benefit your operation at your local NRCS office. We now turn to this week's Commissioner Spotlight. Florida's Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam talks about his department's participation in a national effort to stop timeshare resale scams. Your department was recently involved in a national effort to stop timeshare resale scams, Commissioner. What have been the results so far? We partnered with 28 states and 10 countries to crack down on timeshare resale scams. As a result of this joint effort, more than 184 individuals face criminal prosecution. Our department alone made 23 arrests and filed 14 administrative complaints as part of this effort. How does a timeshare resale scam work? Well, in these cases, Florida-based con artists convince timeshare unit owners across the country to pay large upfront fees by falsely saying they had someone ready to buy their property. The victims, many of whom are elderly or in financial distress, were defrauded out of over $14 million in total. Information on how to avoid scams like this is available online at 800helpfla.com. Thanks, Commissioner Putnam. More information is available at southeastagnet.com. Go to the Florida Commissioner's Report section. The Beef Checkoff continues to promote a heart-healthy diet with delicious lean beef recipes. Florida Beef Council's Ashley Hughes explains why it's important for them to relay that message to dietitians across the state. We told you last week that the Florida Beef Council recently attended the 2013 Florida Dietitians Conference. This is a group of people that Ashley Hughes says it's very important for them to work with on a regular basis, and she explains why. There are quite a few misconceptions about the health and nutrition concerning beef, that it may be too fatty, that it may uh, cause heart problems. And we have science-based information that can really support eating lean beef as part of a heart-healthy diet. And so we want to reach the people who have the influence and are reaching people, whether it is their own clients that are coming into their offices or that they're consulting with hospitals, or these are the people that are working with retailers. But these people also have quite a bit of social media outreach. They have their own Facebook accounts. They have their own dietitian websites. A lot of these people are reaching out through radio networks, through TV, and whenever they're promoting a healthy diet and healthy eating, we want to make sure that they have the most up-to-date information about beef and that they are recommending beef as part of a heart-healthy diet. More information about how the Florida Beef Council promotes a heart-healthy diet with beef can be found on their website. Ashley invites you to simply go to floridabeefcouncil.org to see more of what they're doing with your beef checkoff dollars. There's often a decisive line between gardeners those who like to grow things to eat, and those who prefer the beauty of flowers. But that line doesn't have to be there at all, since flowers can be more than decoration. Well, there's often a decisive line between gardeners, those who like to grow things to eat, and those who prefer the beauty of flowers. But that line doesn't have to be there at all, since flowers can be more than decorations. 
Just a few of the options that provide for both beauty and flavor include daylilies, begonias, marigolds, chrysanthemums, honeysuckle, lilacs, geraniums, pansies, and violets. And of course, all the flowers of herbs can be consumed. And in addition, think of all the flowers that bloom in your traditional fruits and vegetables, such as broccoli, radishes, strawberries, and squash blossoms, as they can all be snipped and used in salads or stir fries. And of course, the king of all flowers, roses, also edible with their petals being used for centuries in infusions or oils. But obviously, not all flowers can be consumed. So if you're not certain about a plant, be sure to contact your local master gardener. And also be mindful not to consume any plants that have been sprayed with fertilizers or pesticides. Great care is given to bring the consumer fresh and clean farm products. We close out this week with Everett Griner telling us just what some of these steps are. Most vegetable farms are putting in huge wash tanks to make sure the foods that you get fresh from the farm are also clean and healthy. Our Department of Agriculture continually looks for ways to keep our food clean. I watch about 500 wagon loads of cantaloupes a week go by my house on the way to the packing sheds, all washed to remove any field impurities. Up until this year, they went directly from the field to your kitchen. When that case of food contamination occurred in Indiana last year, FDA stepped right in. They always do. But most of the cantaloupe growers I know didn't wait. They took it upon themselves to install these wash tanks, and they don't come cheap now. I haven't checked, but I know some of them are using them for other crops, cucumbers, tomatoes, bell peppers. I don't know about you, but this makes me feel a whole lot better. Remember, you can find these stories along with all the big Southeast Agriculture reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Daniel Lake with Southeast Agnet's podcast.